Hi, and welcome to our fourth Universalist service video. My name is Ember Kelly, and I'm the Director of Religious Education here at the Fourth Universalist Society. I use she and her pronouns, and I'm so thankful you could join us today. What follows are selections from our service on August 29th, 2021, a service entitled, How Does Our Garden Grow? with a message delivered by Reverend Kimberly Quinn Johnson. This was also a particularly special service as it was the beginning of our soft open, our return to in-person after nearly after a lot of months since our first time back in person for gathering since March of 2020. So this was a special day for Fourth Universalist and I hope that you can get a sense of that and, and watching the video from our service today. In this video, you will hear the reading and the reflection. Following that, we hope that you'll join us for a lively discussion where we'll go deeper into the service themes together. You're invited to check out our video and audio podcast each week. It's posted on our website, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, when we can get that one working correctly, as well as your favorite podcast streaming sites. If you like what you see, we hope you'll give us a positive review. The likes, the comments, the shares, and subscribing, they all help to spread forth Universalist media further. Finally, we acknowledge that our community is located on the land of the Munsi Lenape peoples. We acknowledge their community, past, present, and future. Fourth Universalist Society acknowledges that it was founded upon exclusions and erasures of many BIPOC peoples, including those on whose land this institution is located. With this acknowledgement, we seek to continue the process of working to dismantle the ongoing legacies of settler colonialism, white supremacy, as well as other forms of oppression. We invite you to join us in this work as we work to embrace the eighth principle. Thank you again for watching. We begin with our reading. Today's reading is an excerpt from a memoir titled Lab Girl, published in 2016 and written by Hope Jaren, a contemporary American geochemist, geobiologist, and professor at the University of Oslo. A seed knows how to wait. Most seeds wait for several years before starting to grow. A cherry seed can wait for a hundred years with no problem. What exactly each seed is waiting for is known only to that seed. Some unique trigger combination of temperature, moisture, light, and many other things is required to convince a seed to jump off the deep end and take its chance, to take its one and only chance to grow. A seed is alive while it waits. Every acorn on the ground is just as alive as the 300-year-old oak tree that, that towers over it. Neither the seed nor the old oak is growing. They are both just waiting. The, their waiting differs, however, in that seed is waiting to flourish while the tree is only waiting to die. When you go into a forest, 
you probably tend to look up at the plants that have grown so much taller than you ever could. You probably don't look down where just beneath your single footprint sits between 100 and 1,000 seeds, each one alive and waiting. When you are in the forest, for every tree that you see, there are no less than 3 million more trees waiting in the soil, fervently wishing to be. When the embryo within a seed starts to grow, it basically just stretches out of its doubled over waiting posture, elongating into its official ownership of the form that it assumed years ago. The hard coat that surrounds a peach pit, a sesame or mustard seed, or a walnut's shell, mostly exists to prevent this expansion. In the laboratory, we simply scratch the hard coat and add a little water, and it's enough to make almost any seed grow. I must have cracked thousands of seeds over the years, and yet the next day's green never fails to amaze me. Something so hard can be so easy if you just have a little help. In the right place, under the right conditions, you can finally stretch out into what you're supposed to be. Each beginning is the end of waiting. We are each given exactly one chance to be. Each of us is impossible and inevitable. Every replete tree was first a seed that waited. Here ends the reading. Good morning and thank you for having me here. I'm delighted and honored to be a part of this soft opening. And to be back with Fourth and Fourth List, one of my favorite places. So when I was a girl, one of the nursery rhymes that fascinated me was Mary Mary Quite Contrary. Some say that it's about Mary on. or Mary Tudor, Bloody Mary, and that either or both has some religious significance. As a girl, I was fascinated by the contrary part, the idea of contrariness, because good children were not to be contrary. But the part that really got me and the part that I want to talk about this morning is how does your garden grow? Mary, Mary, quite contrary, how does your garden grow? With silver bells and cockle shells and pretty maids all in a row. I was a city girl. I still think of myself as a city girl, though I'm out here in what is technically considered rural Long Island. And as a city girl, I didn't have a lot of experience with gardens. My grandmother had a backyard where she grew tomatoes some years. But planting food or flowers was just not a thing that we did. 
which when I think about it now is a shame because there's a lot that we can learn from gardening, from planting seeds, the waiting and watching for earth cycles and secrets. This past year, or really this past year and a half, as we have shifted with pandemic and pandemic changes, there's been a rise in home gardens and community gardens around the world. In my own congregation, we began growing a garden on our grounds. Early on, I think a lot of this fascination with gardening had to do with disrupted food supply chains. People going into grocery stores or corner stores and not finding the things that they expected or the things that they needed. And so a little bit of this gardening was sort of a harbinger of the future this kind of post-apocalyptic world when we would have to directly care for our own selves, provide for our own needs, bunkers and compounds and home gardens and sourdough bread. But today, more and more, this focus on gardening is less dystopic and more turned to the positive potential, the positive potential that we find in planting and harvesting seeds in gardening and growing for our bodily health, our mental health, and our community health. When we began our garden out here, it was to help alleviate some food insecurity in our local community. I don't think anyone who plants a home or a community garden to help alleviate food insecurity imagines that that will solve the problem. But we do think that it is part of us contributing to a larger picture of how we start to think about helping ourselves and most especially helping each other, sharing our resources in ways that are local and sustainable. Part of what we get from gardening is this relearning or this passing down of ancient and maybe of not so ancient, not so distant wisdom of the earth, skills for working with the earth. And in this time when we have been encouraged to stay home, getting outside and working in the dirt and the sunlight has been a balm for our bodies. And even in urban areas where I know green space is harder to come by, there are community gardens that offer us the opportunity to be outside in the air and the sun and the dirt and to reconnect with something larger than ourselves. Gardening in community reminds us to rely not just on ourselves, but to share from our abundance with others. The interdependence that is so central to our faith. 
but what is this wisdom? This wisdom that we are relearning from gardening and especially from planting seeds, from watching seeds. Hope Jaren reminds us of the capacity of a seed to wait. To wait as we have been waiting during this time for the next thing, what it will be. She reminds us that waiting is not nothing. That while seeds are waiting, they are alive. Inside their hard shells, in need of only water and light and nourishment to be able to stretch and spread out and expand into what they are meant to be. But most of all, most of all, in need of help. Help she describes as scratching that surface. She reminds us that while some seeds are waiting to grow, waiting to become, other seeds, the giant oak, are waiting to die and that's okay too. Because as the oak is waiting to die, it's not doing nothing. It too is alive, breathing, taking in carbon dioxide, releasing oxygen, creating something and sustaining life, new pathways for others, for us. There is a wisdom in the cycles of life, in connection, and also in resilience that I learned from seeds. One of my favorite quotes about seeds, if you have been to a protest in the last five years, you have probably seen this. They tried to bury us but they didn't know we were seeds. I often hear this described as an ancient Mexican proverb. It is neither ancient nor Mexican. It is about 30 or 40 years old from a Greek poet. They tried to bury us, but they didn't know we were seeds. There is a resilience in the life of seeds, buried beneath the ground in the dark. There is life even there waiting to flourish. This reminds us that even in our suffering, even our struggles, when things seem most bleak, that we are bearing fruit, our suffering and our struggle, even then there's fruit. It's why I like the story of the cracked pot so much. This beauty and usefulness out of our imperfection. The crack in the pot, which can seem like a waste 
it's really creating life and beauty. We don't always know our purpose. We don't always know how our lives and our work and our presence, how our actions touch others. Fundamentally, I think that planting seeds is an act of faith and a gift to the future. Faith that something will grow. I don't have a lot of outdoor space even here, but I still plant. I have pots all over my apartment. And I will tell you, I have planted five or six different times. And sometimes I have plants that have already begun. Sometimes I have plants that I have started. None of them, none of them half flowered in the way that I had hoped and expected. And still, I planted new pots this week because there is a faith that even if nothing is growing as I expected, the seeds that I planted are still doing something. Maybe they are nourishing the dirt, enriching the ground so that something else will grow, even if I don't get to witness it. There's a story of an old man and a fig tree. He is out planting, he's a very old man, out planting a fig tree and an emperor or maybe his neighbor comes by and they ask him, why are you planting old man? The time to plant was in your youth. The old man continues his planting and he tells them, maybe I will live long enough to eat the fruit of this tree, but maybe I won't, probably I won't, but my children and their children will eat from it just as I ate from trees that I did not plant. We are planters of a future, not our own. We are prophets of a future, not our own. That's a line from a prayer by Bishop Ken Utner of Saginaw, Michigan. It's often read in honor of Bishop Oscar Romero, who served in El Salvador. Romero, now Saint Romero, spoke out against social injustice and rising conflict and violence in his home. And he was assassinated in front of his congregation while celebrating mass in 1980. The prayer continues. It helps now and then to step back and take a long view. The kingdom is not only beyond our efforts, it is even beyond our vision. We accomplish in our lifetime only a tiny fraction 
of the magnificent enterprise that is God's work. Nothing we do is complete, which is a way of saying that the kingdom always lies beyond us. No statement says all that could be said. No prayer fully expresses our faith. No confession brings perfection. No pastoral visit brings wholeness. No program accomplishes the church's mission. No set of goals and objectives includes everything. This is what we are about. We plant the seeds that one day will grow. We water seeds already planted, knowing that they hold future promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide yeast that produces far beyond our capabilities. We cannot do everything. And there is a sense of liberation in realizing that. This enables us to do something and to do it very well. It may be incomplete, but it is a beginning, a step along the way. An opportunity for God's grace to enter and do the rest. We may never see the end results, but that is the difference between the master builder and the worker. We are workers, not master builders. We are all of us ministers, not messiahs. We are prophets of a future, not our own. May it be so this day and every day. I am really excited to get to sit down with Reverend Kimberly Quinn Johnson today, who delivered an amazing garden-themed message. Reverend Kimberly, would you like to introduce yourself uh, for those who maybe haven't met you? Sure. I'm Kimberly Johnson. I use uh, she, her pronouns. I served as intern minister at Fourth U for a couple of years, and now I am serving on the east end of Long Island. Ooh, so not too far. <laughs> It's pretty far. I mean, true. I, before I moved here, you know, I did not realize that Long Island is called Long Island because it is a really long island. <laughs> yes. The name is apt, you know, it's sort of, you know, they, it's like, you know, we learn about Iceland and Greenland when we're in uh, high school and how one was named ice, even though it was green and the other one was green because mm -hmm. it was ice. I figured that Long Island was the same thing, but it actually is long. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say this has finally settled my perpetual confusion between Staten Island and Long Island as a New Jersey person. It's like, ah, oh, one of those islands. I don't know. Um, I'm I'm down in Bayonne, so I'm right next to Staten Island. So I, I, I get pretty easy reminders for that one. <laughs> <laughs> so as far as this message, um, it it sounds like, you know, a little bit was inspired by gardening. What were, you know, some of the big inspirations for this this message? So I think it was twofold. Um, I have been, have been thinking a lot about um, gardening, definitely, but really this idea of seeds. Um, 
our congregation is really trying to focus our social justice work and we ended up with a theme for or a focus for the next year or so around food justice and so then it was like really talking to folks and thinking through what do we mean by food justice which um so it's sort of a a, a circuitous route or a circular route um bringing me back to seeds and growing um so that was part of it and then um the actual literal thing that got me writing i don't know how this nursery rhyme came across my head but it really was the nursery rhyme mary mary quite contrary how does your garden grow and i thought oh that seems like an interesting an interesting sort of leaping off point for a sermon how does your garden grow maybe i can use that to think about the seed idea that's been in my head for a while. Hmm. Uh, that, I, I have to say it's the first, uh, the first that I've heard recently of nursery rhyme inspired messages. <laughs> <laughs> well, I get complaints uh, sometimes that too many of my ideas are sponsored by Bible stories. <laughs> so I thought, well, how about a different kind of story? <laughs> uh. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so speaking of like, what were, you know, some of the sources and books that you kind of drew on as you put together the message, anything that you'd maybe recommend folks to check out? Mm -hmm. um, well, so uh, some of it was what I want to know about gardening. Uh, I, I am such a city person and I have this sort of self reputation as not being able to grow things. Uh, somebody gave me a plant as a gift a few years ago and they said it was practically indestructible. So part of my thinking was, well, if I can't actually do this thing of growing, I want to maybe focus in and think about what is the learning here? <laughs> what is the learning here from this failure that keeps happening for me? So part of it really was um, not so much an external source, but really like a sitting in and reflecting on what's like actually happening. What am I noticing in the world around me? What am I noticing in my own self? What am I learning from the world around me? Um, I try to think of that as as much of a source and a resource as um, books or music or poetry. But once I really started um, from that point, I started looking for external sources. And um, I had been reading earlier in the summer Braiding Sweetgrass, which isn't expressly about seeds, but it is about um, learning from the earth and thinking about our connections to the earth and our connections to this sort of cycle of growing. And so those were in my head or are in my head. I've heard a lot of good about that book. I think I've, I've, I've had quite a fair amount of friends reading that in the last year. So I might have to add that to my own uh, to read list that grows longer every day. <laughs> um, no, so this, uh, this image of like seeds for the future, it, it actually made me think of uh, just a, a few weeks ago, uh, Reverend Jill uh, uh, was preaching and talking about like, you know, how we hand things on to the next generation and on how the a lot of these fights are not, you know, something that they're, they're marathons They're And they're also like relay marathons that we're, we do a bunch of work and then we hand it on to the next generation to keep going with the work. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and that's not how people necessarily love to think because like, you know, I'm going to put all this work and then my kids will have to keep doing the work too. <laughs> um, but that, that long-term vision can be a little bit hard um, mm -hmm. with like this with planting seeds for the future, like not seeing the immediate payoff is not a, a, an American's favorite thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting. Um, so I, I, I think a lot in terms of generations, I think about what I, in ancestors and ancestry and what's been passed down to me from ancestors. And um, so one of the things that I think when I think about my ancestors, I, I, I believe that um, the way that my life is, the opportunities that I have, the things that I do, the way that I live my life, I think must have been unimaginable to my great grandmother. I can't imagine that she could have possibly um, thought, I, like I can't imagine that she could have actually imagined like what this is. And yet um, I, am, I am living in like the groundwork that she and her daughter and her daughter that those generations of people left. And so I try to think about um, how I am laying groundwork or planting seeds for um, future generations. Lots of indigenous um, nations talk about seven generations, right? Seven generations in the future and seven generations in the past. And so I try to think about how what I'm doing is this like really long-term generational work. And I was an activist and an organizer before ministry. And so that really sort of helped to orient me to this way of thinking that um, we're just sort of putting things in place for the future and we're just sort of building. And lots of work that I do, I'm never going to see the results um, because I move, because I don't know, at some point I will die and, um, but, and now I'm just rambling, <laughs> but, but it really is that we, that we plant seeds for the future. And sometimes we get to see the results right away, but, um, often we don't. And always there are results that we will never see. No, this, uh, this extra reflection time is the chance for, you know, with, when writing sermons, we have to be so concise. And um, this, is, this is a chance to let you ramble. That's, that's perfectly fine. No, but it, it made me, what you're saying there made me think about uh, when I lived in Michigan, I helped get uh, a, a support group for trans folks off the ground because like there really wasn't a very active, like a very active one at the time. And now... Um, like I, I was involved with it for like six months and did all the work to like get it off the ground and it's still going strong, like almost 10 years later. Mm -hmm. And like to think about all the lives that have been changed. And like at the beginning, like I felt like, oh, you know, is this like, oh, this is a lot of work to put into this. And to now know that like, that's something that's, that's helping people in that I never even met mm -hmm. um, is always cool. Mm -hmm. Or, or even this um, thinking about failure. So that's why um, I really like that craft pot story because um, even the things that we think are failures, right? There is something that comes of it, and so. Right. Just, you know.
Yes, um, I, I did not get the chance yet to watch the, the video playback. So if it's okay, uh, video quality, I might actually include the time for all ages in the, in the whole thing, but it might not convey quite as well. And uh, I'm, I'm curious, but um, I, I had fun thinking about how to convey the story of the, the pot that, uh, that found, it, found it, there was still a way to be useful. Mm -hmm. uh, but I had a little fun with that one. Um, but so thinking about like this, this planting seeds for the future and thinking about how, you know, we think about our ancestors, think about those to come. Um, I'm trying to figure out a good way to phrase this is, you know, what kind of way does this community play into that? Like how, like, how do we then not just do that as like individuals, but also as communities? Like, I suppose that um, the people that started Fourth Universalist probably would not <laughs> picture the way things are now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, you know, is, what, do, what do you think? How, do, how does community interact with this idea of like working for the future? Mm -hmm. um, so I think the most immediate way that it came to me was, um, I think I probably mentioned this in the sermon about midway, um, probably before the, definitely before the pandemic, we had started a food pantry here at our congregation and um, and with the pandemic, it just was getting so much use out here. And about midway through, we decided to plant a garden. And so one of the things that was happening was it, it allowed us to do a few things at one time. It allowed us to um, be able to serve our local community better by being able to provide fresh produce, not just the can and dry goods, but it also was a way for the congregational community to be able to do things and work together. I mean, even as we were contributing to the pantry, um, it, it still felt in many ways like a solitary act, right? Like you bring your things when nobody's there and everybody's bringing their things when nobody's there. But what happens with the garden is that people are working together outdoors, building this thing together. So, so there were like two different ways that we saw a community happening with that garden. But um, also, so I've been reading um, Braiding Sweetgrass, but I also have just, um, I don't know where I read this, but it was fairly recently. There's all of this new research, and it's not new to everybody, about trees and the way that trees communicate, right? That that trees are communicating with each other deep underground, that there is this whole network of communion and community. Uh, so, so I think about... Um, what is happening in, I guess, what I think of as the green world around us, the growing world around us, that um, it's a way for me to imagine community as not only a human endeavor, right? That other beings on this planet are also being in and creating community and to really start to think about, is it possible or what are the ways that it's possible for human people to be in community with other kinds of beings on the earth. So then I start to get really trippy. <laughs> oh, I think that that to me seems like a nice, beautiful thought for us to, to wrap up on. So uh, Reverend Kimberly, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me today.
Thank you so much. This is um, really fun. I'm really excited for what's happening at Fourth U nowadays. Yes, we. we it was uh, it was pretty amazing to get to have our first digital guest of in-person service. Like, you know, <laughs> pretty cool. We're pulling off some stuff. Talk, talk about stuff that the people who uh, founded the church would never have pictured. <laughs> Someday there'll be a, a an electronic box where images from another place. <laughs> and people all around the country will be having the same worship service. Who would have, who would have expected it? Who would have it? But no, thank you so much for joining us both at 4th and for this. Thank you very much also. Mm -hmm.